Good morning. We're glad you're here to worship with us this morning at Broadway Baptist. We're excited to be together. Let's stand as we begin our time as we sing Your Love Awakens. Let's stand and sing together. You came and broke them down. You broke them down. There were chains around us. By your grace, we are no longer bound. No longer bound. You called me out of the grave. You called me into the light. You called my name, and then my heart came alive. count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out oh yes I will Lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will. 
Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. We are so glad. We're thankful that you're with us here at Broadway this morning. We're excited for what God has in store. Uh, later in the service, you'll have an opportunity uh, to take communion with us, and you also have an opportunity to give as part of our service, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, if you're new with us, we're especially excited and honored that you're here. We're thankful uh, that you would choose to spend an hour of your Sunday with us here at Broadway. Uh, as a, just a simple gift to us, there's a Connect card attached to the side of your bulletin. We hope you got one as you came in. Uh, you can fill that out, tear it off, and you can drop it either in our offering basket as it passes here in just a second, or you can leave it at the welcome desk on your way out the back of the sanctuary. Uh, that's just our way of getting to know you a little bit and learning how we can best minister to, to you and your family, and uh, we hope that you'll be uh, kind enough to fill that out for us. As we move forward in our service, I'm going to go ahead and call our ushers down. We're going to have an opportunity uh, to give uh, financially as uh, you feel led to this morning, so I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll uh, continue with our service. Lord, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us uh, to come and worship you. Lord, we thank you for uh, the sacrifice of your son Jesus that makes this possible, that we can approach your throne boldly with praise and thanksgiving. Lord, we pray now that uh, as we move into uh, our time of, of giving back a, a mere portion of what you have blessed us with, Lord, I pray that we would give generously, give cheerfully, Lord, that you would take our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings, and Lord, that you would bless them to further your kingdom and your mission through our church here at Broadway Baptist. God, we love you. We thank you especially for Jesus, and it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. You can stay seated as we continue to worship together this morning. Sorrow and dead in my sin, 
lost without hope with no place to be your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life Now ash was redeemed, only beauty remained. My orphan heart was given a name. My mourning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began. Stand and join us as we sing together. Oh, your grace, so free. Washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Chains, I'm a prisoner no rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested in my Again, one with God, the Lord. 
celebrate this morning a little later as we celebrate our communion together. God, we love you. We thank you most of all for your son. It's in his precious, powerful name that we pray. Amen.
just about anywhere. On a boat, walking in the village, at the market, walking down the street, basically anywhere. <laughs> we love to walk to church because it gives us good opportunities to meet new people along the way. We've seen Jesus change people's lives in amazing ways, like my good friend Adelina. Adelina turned from a life of fear and witchcraft and idols and found peace through believing in Jesus. This is my church, it's in a very small village, and it's made out of sticks, mud, and some tin roofs. We dance and sing and pray in the local language. I love my church. Everybody's so nice, and we all love Jesus. There are so many people around the world who don't know Jesus simply because no one has ever come and told them about him. Some people live in remote places like Mozambique, and others may be sitting next to you at your school. Either way, it's important that we remember what is written in John 20, 31. <laughs> Jesus told all of us to go into the wild and tell people about him. Are you ready? You can do it. Just zoom in and focus on Jesus. The adventure of a lifetime awaits. End of wild. Open your Bibles to the book of John. John chapter 1. We are in a summer jump series here, looking at different themes throughout the summer and different topics we're talking about. Today, we're going to be jumping into discipleship. Next Sunday, we'll be jumping into temptation. I know it doesn't sound good, but that's what we're going to be talking about next Sunday is on temptation with that. Go ahead and pull out your uh, bulletin, um, your insert there. So, Chris, I guess the TV it didn't make it today, though. Well, it was a little searching Texas, so... It didn't find it, I guess. But um, anyway, um, I do have another video here. Before I show, I want to share with something happened 50 years ago. 50 years ago, it was at 10.56 p.m. Eastern Time. A man from Ohio named Neil Armstrong, he set his foot. Now, actually, that was on July 20th. It if moon time, it would have been today, actually, the 21st. He set first man ever to put his foot on the moon. It was on July 20th and 21st, depending on which time zone you're on, I guess, in the world, 1969. And, um, I, and there's a video here. It's a YouTube video. Now, this is from 50 years ago, so it's hard to, uh, hard to follow uh, a bit. All right, we're ready. The charter was collapsed too far, but uh, it ran again to get back up. Roger, we've got a pretty good total jump. All right, who remembers watching that uh, 50 years ago? Anyone? Okay, good. So you have to at least be 50 to watch that. I want to read. I, I, that was hard. To, you know, they didn't have HD television back then 50 years ago, so everything's black and white. It was just a different day. But let me read to you what Mr. Armstrong, or Astronaut Armstrong, said. That's one small step for man, one giant leap 
for mankind. And that was one of those statements that went down in the 20th century because throughout the history of the world, no one had ever been on the moon. And a guy from Ohio finally made it, Mr. Armstrong. And what happened there is our entire world was, even though that we would look at that video and think, man, that was old. The entire world was watching that video 50 years ago. It was all over the place. My mother told me that she, she was in high school at the time, and she was saying, I think she was a senior at her high school she went to, that they literally brought in TVs into the school that day because this was such breaking news that was going to happen. We, someone was finally going to make it on the moon. And they went there and put an American flag. The entire world was cheering on Mr. Armstrong and uh, celebrating this huge achievement. And it was all folks were thinking about as well as folks were talking about. And there was a real sense of passion for NASA and for the Apollo 11 mission that certainly went up there and brought excitement. Now, that was 50 years ago. Let's fast forward to yesterday. Yesterday, Sherry and I and the children, we went to Red River Gorge zip lining. In case you don't know, that's where you stand up on a 300-foot cliff. It's way up there, and you literally sail across the gorge there. And I was like the oldest one there. My dad was there, so we, two, uh, we were like the oldest ones there. There were young people everywhere. And the young folks, and even the zipline people, were run by college students. And you really question, you're like, am I really strapped in? 19-year-old, do you know what you're doing here? I mean, is this stuff safe and secure? Because it's a long fall when you jump off, literally jump off the, uh, jump off the cliff and just hope, to, hope you make it with that. But we were there, and one of our, you have guides that do everything for you. They have to show you what to do. So what happens is one of our guides, the guy was like 23, and the man was just full of life for zip lining. He loved his job. In fact, he told everybody he loved his job. And the reason why he loved his job so much is he got to go zip lining over and over and over and over again. In fact, that's all the guy wanted to do. He says, it's the best job in the world. I just ride these things, and he can do spins. He can do no hands. Uh, he's still strapped in on no hands. So he was just, I mean, he, they had no fear going down these zip lines. This one young man, these guides, and we were, you, you ride a bus. This is really out in the middle of nowhere. So you, ride, you, you go park your car, then you ride a bus. You just keep going up, up, and away. And so when we got back, when it was all done, you ride five zip lines. You ride the bus back down. And we were on the bus because there were a bunch of other folks there too. And somebody was talking to this guy. He was one of those just enthusiastic, just bubbling over with excitement. And somebody asked him, because all he's talked about is how much he loves zip lining and his job. Somebody asked him on the bus, they said, so, uh, you know, you really in, seem to enjoy your job. You really like what you're doing, you, and you're really passionate and excited about this. And the guy started talking about it, says, I love the outdoors, and zipline people are outdoorsy people. That was kind of an odd one there, but everybody else there was like rock climbers, zipline, let's go hike a mile and camp in the woods, and that was the, the folks there at Red River Gorge, and he was certainly fit that mold, but he made this statement. I wrote down his quote. He's talking about how, how much he loves this. He made the statement, what else, and he's telling the whole bus this, what else do I have to live for? Exact words, this guy said. 23 years old, what else do I have to live for? This young man was passionate, and he loved flying around on a zip line. That was yesterday. 50 years ago, America... NASA folks, Neil Armstrong, they were passionate and excited about going to the moon. The Apollo 11 mission, it was incredible for them. And there was a sense of passion and desire that all they can see in their life, that young man was ziplining. 50 years ago, if you went to church, 50 years ago, you know what they were talking about at church? Going to the moon. Was that not awesome? Can you believe it? Did you stay up late last night and watch that great video there? That was the singular focus 50 years ago. Yesterday, that's all these guys talked about. What else do I have to live for? We're going to see here in the Bible that Jesus is going to point us to something else, something more important than ziplining, 
more important than going to the moon to live for. So that's why I want you to turn here in your Bible. This is a message on discipleship. When it comes down to it, discipleship, when you've been called to be a disciple of Jesus, that is a laser focus that all that matters is Christ. John chapter 1, verse 29. What's going on here in this passage, John the Baptist, he is out in the wilderness in the Jordan River baptizing people. Even the Pharisees sent some junior Pharisees called Levites out there to supervise them, kind of spy them, say, what are you up to? What are you doing out here? And they report back that people are repenting of their sin and they're getting baptized. Well, Jesus was going to get baptized as well. Look at verse 29, John 1, 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's a very good description of what Jesus does, and that's certainly true. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. I didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me, I mean, this is what God told John the Baptist, the one you see the Spirit descending and resting on him, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. God spoke to John the Baptist and said, John the Baptist, you're going to be out there in the wilderness baptizing folks, and one man's going to come down, and a dove is going to come and rest over him. And that man, that the dove rests over him, that's the Messiah. That's the Lamb of God. He's the one who doesn't baptize with water. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit. You know, when you get saved, you, you, we baptize with water. You follow in believers' baptism. We have baptism scheduled for our church for Sunday, August 18th. If you've never been baptized in water, you can do that next month. And that's what John the Baptist was doing. But Jesus here, he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, the Bible says you receive the Holy Spirit. And Jesus gives that to you. John the Baptist doesn't give it to you. Jesus gives it to you. Keep going here in your Bible. Verse 34. I've seen and testified that this is the Son of God. John the Baptist knew immediately this is the Son of God. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. I want to tell you who these two disciples were. This is Andrew and the other disciples unnamed. Throughout the Gospel of John, whenever someone was unnamed like that, it's usually a reference to the writer of John, which means it was John the Apostle. So Andrew and John the Apostle are at this point, they are disciples of John the Baptist. You know, it's interesting, John the Apostle, he's the fellow who wrote the Gospel of John. He started out as a disciple of John the Baptist. Then he becomes, we're going to see here, a disciple of Jesus. And do you know, 50 years later, He's an old man on the, in exile on an island called Patmos in the middle of the Mediterranean. And God is revealing him the book of Revelation. He's seeing the future, even the future that hasn't come yet. God is going to open this. But he had no clue, just standing there on the banks of the river, that he was about to start a journey that would radically change the rest of his life. Look what happens here. It says, first. 38, or verse 35. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. So John the Baptist is pointing out to Jesus. Now look at this. The two disciples heard him say this. Remember, this is Andrew and John the Apostle. Who heard him say this. They followed Jesus. They switched who they were following. Can you believe that? John the Baptist just lost two followers. He lost two church members right there. He lost them to Jesus. They had been following Jesus, or following John, and then John's talking about how great Jesus is, and these two guys get up and go, I'm going to go find somebody else to follow. Think how John the Baptist felt. He's lost some folks. So Jesus here, I want you to picture this. Jesus now, he's walking along. Now he's got these two guys following him. He's looking back. He's thinking, well, I've got these two men. They're following me. We've made a trade here. 
And Jesus asks him, look at this in verse 38. What are you looking for? That's what Jesus, he's turning back and he talks to these two guys, says, what are you looking for? What that means in today's language is, guys, what, what do you want? Why, why are you following me? Why are you stalking me down the road? Like, what's really going on here? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where are you staying? I know it's kind of odd. It's not like Jesus saying holiday in. What that means is, where are you going? Like, where are you going? And what's interesting about this is, Jesus uh, Jesus asked them a question, and they didn't answer it. He asked what they were looking for. They didn't answer a question. So then they asked him a question. It says, where are you saying? Well, look at Jesus. Jesus is going to return the favor. He's not going to answer the question. Right, nobody answers the question. Here's what he says. Verse 39, come and you'll see. He didn't tell them where he was staying. He didn't say we're going to Capernaum or Bethsaida. He said, you just come and see. Don't you hate it when people answer that? Well, you ask a question, they give you some vague answer. So where you go, oh, you'll see. Just, just hang up. Just sit tight. Just watch. I'm not going to tell you. That, this, is the, this is the call to be a disciple. Jesus doesn't tell them, you just signed up to die. You signed up, and you're going to be a follower, and it's going to be hard. So Jesus, in verse 39, says, come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. What happened? Andrew, a brand new follower of Jesus, the first thing he does is he goes and he finds his family member, brother, Simon. And he says, hey, we found the Messiah. You need to come to church. You need to come and follow him too. So Peter shows up, or Simon shows up, and Peter looks at him and says, your name, you know, it's customary back in Bible times, your name's not going to be Simon anymore. It's now Peter. Jesus renamed him. This is how discipleship occurred. Two men who were following John the Baptist decided they were going to follow Jesus. Then those two men go and find their brother, Peter, who then starts following Jesus. Discipleship was deciding, I am going to follow Jesus. You know, there's a, there's a challenge for us. Psalm 57.4 tells us, I am surrounded, David cries out, I'm surrounded by lions. I lie down among devouring lions, people whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. That's Psalm 57.4. David tells us that we are surrounded by lions. What that means is, to be surrounded by lions is that if you are in default mode, meaning if you just drift about your day and you just go about whatever happens during the day and you're not intentional and you're not purposeful in your relationship with the Lord and your devotional life, you will not be a disciple. Meaning if you just drift through your day and you drift through your week and you drift through your month and season and years, you, by default, if you're in default mode, you will not be a disciple. A disciple is someone who has intentionally decided, I am going to leave what I've known here with John the Baptist, and I'm going to follow Jesus. Default mode loves the world. Why be a disciple when you can zipline all day? Why be a disciple when you can be an astronaut? A disciple of Jesus, the church is someone who intentionally and purposely says, they wake up in the morning and says, I'm going to follow the Lord. You know, up here on the screen, look at this. There is a lure, a temptation every day that pulls you. And it says, if only you had this, you'd be happy. We are surrounded by this. Every, the devil wants us to find happiness and anything except Christ. A call to discipleship, a call to be a follower of Jesus, 
Church, it's when we have to decide, I'm going to leave what I've known, and I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus turns around and asks, what, what are you looking for? What are you searching for? Like, what, what do you want? I want to be like these people. That's what you're trying to be like. Other folks, it seduces you, it molds you, and begins thinking for you. Following Christ is rejecting, being a disciple of Christ is rejecting default mode. You don't want to look back and look at your life and think, all the stuff I've put my energy towards, it's meaningless. It's empty. And Neil Armstrong, do you know what defined him? That first step on the moon. He was always known as the man who first walked on the moon. Samantha Zipline. Yesterday, I guess he wants to be defined as he has nothing else to live for but just riding ziplines up and down the gorge all day long. He has no other definition of his life. It's what defines him. I have a Bible verse, John 1, 138. It says here, Jesus asked this question, and we're going to answer that this morning. What are you looking for? When they're following him, he turned back and says, what are you looking for? What do you want? I love the King James Version of this. Look what he says up there. In the KJV, Jesus said, what seek ye? What seek ye? What do you, what, what, why are you following him? How we answer, what are you looking for? What seek ye? Is what defines us as followers of Christ. These guys here, they wanted, they were followers of John the Baptist, and they respected and admired this man. He was the, the Bible says he was the greatest prophet. And then he said, look, behold, the Lamb of God, that's the Messiah. He gave the greatest testimony ever, John the Baptist, towards Jesus. He says, that's the one who we've been waiting for. They packed up their bags and they started following him. John Stock, as he went on, his followers became smaller and fewer. And Jesus' popularity rose and he had more followers. John the Baptist then, not long after this, he was beheaded by Herod. And he was probably thinking, what on earth just happened? But John's purpose was to point people to Jesus. He knew Jesus was the Savior. He knew that was the answer people were looking for. Do you know, I think about following Jesus. Years ago, if you were in a church, a Baptist church, probably this church too, there's something at, on Sunday afternoon called Baptist Training Union. Does anybody remember Baptist Training Union? Good. More people watched the um, 50 years ago, the Neil Armstrong on the moon, than remember Baptist Training Union. Baptist Training Union existed 50 years ago, so that meant some of those folks weren't in that were watching the moon weren't on, in Baptist Training Union. But we used to have these in churches, and they would meet at 5 o'clock, and you would come, and it was discipleship training. And you would come and meet, to the evening worship service, and you would learn your Bible, you'd learn how to do things in the church, you'd learn how to become a disciple. And then what happened, churches just started phasing out the discipleship training. But the problem was, guess what happened? It wasn't replaced with anything. It was just like, we don't do this anymore. Uh, we'll scratch that program. No more discipleship training. The problem with doing that is, Guys, when you look at Jesus' ministry, do you know what Jesus did? Jesus' life was discipleship training. He took these 12 men and he poured his life into them. He had followers and people who listened and obeyed what he says. He spent time with them and instructed them in the ways of the Lord. Listen, if discipleship is important to Jesus, it has to be important to us. Have you ever thought, Jesus come and ask you, what, what are you looking for? What seek ye? Like, what do you want? How would you answer that? What, what do we want? God, what do I really want? Do I even know what I want? They asked, well, where are you staying? They want to know where Jesus was staying. Like, what hotel are you at? 
And they said, where are you going? You know, Jesus doesn't tell you where he's going. He says, you just follow me and you'll see. You know, if you have your handout, we're going to look up here on the screen. Four, three things here in discipleship of 2019. Here's what it looks like. This would be in conclusion. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus in 2019, this is what it looks like today. Christians are chosen by Jesus to follow him. You've been chosen by the Lord. If you are saved, the Bible says you've received the Holy Spirit, you've been chosen. What have you been chosen to do? You've been chosen to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Secondly, Christians are being transformed by Jesus. This is what it means to grow in the Lord and grow in disciple, be, being a disciple. You've been transformed by Jesus, meaning you have been saved and he's changing you. Everything about you. You should be becoming more and more like Christ-like in your attitude and your walk with the Lord. And thirdly, Christians are calling others to Jesus. And Andrew did this. He went and found his brother Peter, who then became the leader of the disciples and the leader of the early church. We have been chosen, we have been transformed, and we have been called to be like Jesus. Chosen means it is God's plan and purpose for you to be saved. Transform means your sanctification. That's a big church word, but that means I'm becoming more and more Christ-like. And we're calling other people. I mean, if Andrew invited Peter to church, you can invite other people to church. Obviously, they didn't invite him to church back then. They invited him to Jesus, but Jesus started the church. We as believers, this morning, we want to answer this question. What are you looking for? Verse 38. What are you looking for? What seek ye? How we answer that question determines where we are in our walk in Christ. Some of you this morning have come here. Maybe you're a guest. And you don't even know what you're looking for. Or some of you, there's a lot of folks that are looking for something, but it's not the Lord. It's anything but the Lord. They've been seduced by the world. They've been led astray. And Jesus this morning is confronting you saying, I want to be, I have to be the most important person, thing, and place in your life. If you want to be a disciple, if you want to know me personally, you have to make me the priority above anyone else. That is what it means to be a disciple. That's what you and I should be seeking. This morning, we're going to have the Lord's Supper. I'm going to invite our deacons to come forward. The Lord's Supper, we're about to participate in this. This is an opportunity. If you are a believer, if you know the Lord, if you have accepted Christ in your life, this is an opportunity for you to remember Jesus' body and Jesus' blood. We remember Christ through the Lord's Supper. deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. Great the pain of searing loss, 
Supper, Jesus picked up this bread. This was his final meal with his disciples. And he picked up the bread and he shared with his disciples that this represented his body. When we we remember the Lord's Supper, we're remembering that Jesus gave his life on the cross for you and I. So he picked up the bread and he prayed over us. Let's pray over our bread. God, we thank you so much for this bread. We know this represents your body. You died on a cross for us to be saved. Lord, we just pray that we will never forget the cost involved in that. Lord, we thank you that we're able to come and remember your life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. After the bread, he then gave out the cup. So we're going to distribute the cup. So deacons, if you all not stand up. my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my savior on that cursed tree his body and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy seas 
Supper, and he explained that the cup represents his blood. And what happened is, in the Old Testament, blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. In the New Testament, Jesus is saying, we no longer have to uh, do these animal sacrifices. I will be the sacrifice. My blood is the new offering for the covenant that saves you. So he picked up the cup and he prayed over it. So let's pray over our cup. God, we thank you for this cup. We know this cup represents your blood. It represents your blood because you died on a cross for us. By your spilt blood, we are saved. Lord, we thank you for giving your life and we never forget the cost that was involved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're about to have our invitation and I want to share... Um, um, this is an opportunity for you to respond to the gospel. If you have never given your life to Christ, if you've never become a, be a, a disciple, I will be standing up front. Also, I want to let you know, as we leave this service, something we do, our deacons head up, we have a benevolent offering. And at these four different doors, as you leave, you can uh, give to that benevolent offering. We have requests for our church that come up throughout the months and we take this special offering, we help meet those needs. So if you feel led, we'll have different deacons at the doors. These men will be at these doors collecting that offering. If you want to make a decision, we're going to give you that opportunity. You can join our church, you can walk this aisle and become a disciple of Jesus, or you can get baptized next month. We as believers are called to follow Jesus. If Andrew and John the Apostle can follow Jesus, you can follow Jesus. Let's stand together. Chris and the band's going to lead us in a song, and this is our song of response.
Sacrificing his son Jesus uh, to, to a death, a criminal's death on a cross that we can have eternal life through him. We're going to sing that chorus one more time as we continue to respond this morning. Uh, know that the invitation doesn't stop when we stop singing, but you're welcome to respond to the Holy Spirit anytime you choose. Let's sing together one more time this morning. How great, how great, how great is your love. How great, how great. How great is your love, how great, how great, how great is your love for us. Amen. I want to introduce you to uh, Ray Vasky. Ray is our Deacon of the Week this week. He's also our Chairman of Deacons. Uh, he's going to close us in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed.